You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. This is the first attack. This is the first onslaught by Babylon. If you remember, the same thing happened to Israel. When the the nation became weak, when Israel the kingdom became weak, then other nations began to attack it. And it's dangerous for a nation to display weakness because it encourages other rogue nations to attack that nation. Makes me very concerned for our country. Our country has been in a downward spiral for a long time, and while divisiveness has always played a role, it's gotten much worse over the last decade or two. The enemy has used it to tear us apart from the inside, and as Pastor Dave points out in the example of Israel, that weakness invites evil entities to attack from outside. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Kings chapter 24, as he begins his message, The End Has Come. The end has come. We're in chapter 24 of 2 Kings. Chapter 24. So if you'll turn into your Bibles to 2 Kings 24, help you out, sandwiched between 23 and 25, you'll find 24. Hope you have turned to that. Let's pray. Most gracious and heavenly Father, we come now to you. We come, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, our beloved Savior your precious Son. And Lord, we come seeking you today. We come, Lord, wanting to look into your word. We come, Lord, hoping that you will touch our hearts with your spirit, knowing that wherever two or more you appear in their midst, so Lord, we welcome you here. We know that you were here when we got here. We know, Lord, that you continue to pour out your spirit upon us. So now, Lord, may we learn from these scriptures today what you would have to say to the church that we might be the light shining in the midst of a very, very dark time, that we might shine the love of Jesus into the hearts of those that we come in contact with. We're so thankful, Lord, that we have your word. We're so thankful, Lord, that you've given us time of study. We ask, Lord, that you would bless it. May it be done according to your purpose in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so as we come now to chapter 24, we see a kingdom struggling to survive. The previous king, King Josiah, sincerely wanted to serve the Lord. He was considered a good king, maybe even a great king. One of his contemporaries was the prophet Jeremiah, and he said this about King Josiah, quote, he pled the cause of the afflicted and the needy, unquote. Josiah had followed David's example. He had an extremely close relationship with the Lord God, Jehovah. He sought the Lord's will through the prophets and led the kingdom into a great time of prosperity and peace. Sadly, he made a foolish mistake and it cost him his life. He wanted to prevent Egypt from helping Assyria 
in their fight against Babylon. His heart was in the right place, but he failed to realize that Babylon was the bigger threat. And he never went to the Lord to see if he should interfere. He never went to the Lord to see that if he should intervene between these two superpowers. So he attacked Egypt and the Pharaoh, Pharaoh Necho, had him killed. Instead of seeking the Lord's will, he meddled in political things, the political situations of other countries, and he made a political decision without asking and consulting the Lord. And I feel that this is so important for us to learn today. People are making decisions about things, causes, and stuff without seeking the Lord. They're just running out there thinking that they can do something, and they're running out on their own power and not the power of the Holy Spirit. And and it fears me for them. I want to get them caught into something that they don't belong in. I'm all about serving the Lord. I'm all about following the Lord. I'm all about listening to the Holy Spirit. And that's why when people want something done around here, it takes me a while to get it done because I'm praying and want to make sure that that's what the Lord wants us to do. Not just running off out there because it seemed like a good idea. Well, to King Josiah, it seemed like a great idea to go down there and get between these two superpowers. It cost him his life. So we have to be careful when we intercede between causes and problems. we got to make sure that the Lord is leading us, make sure the Lord is guiding us when we do that. Because it never turns out good for us. It never turns out good. I've, I've seen it too many times. And like King Josiah, you guys' hearts are fantastic. You guys got hearts of gold, and you want to serve the Lord, and you, and you want to do what he wants you to do, and you, you, you see affliction, and you see a problem, and, and you want to fix it. I think that's wonderful. I'm not saying anything against that. All I'm saying is make sure the Lord is guiding you. Make sure the Lord is leading you into that situation, because if he is, then you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Then you can have all the resources of God at your back and at your will. And it'll go according to God's plan. But if you're just running off, it usually doesn't turn out good. God will bless it somehow, trust me, because God works all things together for good. But it may be painful for you. It may be painful in the long run. So, And I've always contended, and I've said this to, before, that when you meddle in things that aren't of God, when you come between God and a person that he's dealing with and you meddle in between there and you're not supposed to, guess who God has to deal with first? You. He has to deal with you first before he can deal with the other person. And you don't know, that person might be this close to receiving God's blessing and you intercede. So we always take it to the Lord. And that's my counsel. Take it to the Lord. The Lord will guide you and he'll lead you. And you'll have all the power you want and all the resources at your fingertips. If you take it to the Lord, Josiah did not. But after his death, the nation plummeted. It went back into disarray. His son, Jehoiahaz, became king. And the scripture said, he did evil in sight of the Lord. So it's like, wait a minute, weren't we on this merry-go-round before? He was back to doing evil again. And he basically wiped out all the reforms that Josiah had put into place. Wiped out all the reforms. 
He, in turn, was captured by the same Pharaoh, Pharaoh Necho. He was put in the prison where he dies. Pharaoh imposes this hefty tribute upon the land of Judah. And a tribute means they have to pay his taxes. They've got to pay a huge tax. So Pharaoh then puts another son of Josiah on the throne, a person by the name of Elikim, and then he changes his name to Jehoiakim. Names can get confusing here, folks. It's interesting, the name change is somewhat significant. I read this. It says, Jehoiakim and Elikim mean the same thing, means God has established. However, the new name Elikim used the covenant name of Jehovah in place of El, the common name for God. And by doing this, Necho was claiming to be the Lord's agent in ruling against Judah. The new king, Elikim, had to swear allegiance to Necho and pay heavy taxes. So this Elikim had to pay taxes. He reigned for 11 years, and guess what? He did evil in sight of the Lord. He did evil in sight of the Lord. So what happens? Judah loses all independence. They're no longer an independence kingdom. They are ruled by Egypt, and this lasts about three years. The dates we're talking about are basically 609 B.C. to 605 B.C. 609 B.C. to 605 B.C. So, or 606. Eventually, Egypt backs off and they're replaced by a new superpower, Babylon. Babylon has now taken over where Egypt left off. There was a change in power. But this new mob boss who is now in control was a lot more aggressive than the old ones. Let's begin chapter 24, verse 1. In his days, Nebuchadnezzar, in the days of Ilikim, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, excuse me, Jehoiakim, I'm sorry. In his days, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, came up and Jehoiakim became his vassal for three years. Then he turned and rebelled against him. So, Nebuchadnezzar, and I'm sure you're all familiar with the name Nebuchadnezzar, a great king of Babylon. He comes and he makes Jehoiakim his vassal. It means he has completely control over Jehoiakim. He has completely control. He paid tribute, and he continued to pay tribute for three years. But after three years, he says, I'm not paying anymore. Not a good idea. Not a good idea. He says, I'm not paying anymore. So the king of Babylon, what does he do? Well, as a good mob boss does, he sends his collectors. He sends his collectors out to collect the the money that is due them, the tribute, and to strong arm the kingdom. Let's look at verses 2 to 4. The end is coming, folks. And the Lord sent him against him, that's against Jehoiakim, raiding bands of Chaldeans, bands of Syrians, bands of Moabites, and bands of people of Ammon. These were not musicians, folks. These were men who were raiders. They were coming to kick butt and take names. They were coming to collect for Nebuchadnezzar. He sent them against Judah to destroy it, according to the word of the Lord, which he had spoken by his prophets. There's going to be three attacks on Jerusalem. And Judah. This is the first. 
This is the first attack. This is the first onslaught by Babylon. If you remember, the same thing happened to Israel. When the, when the nation became weak, when Israel, the kingdom, became weak, then other nations began to attack it. And it's dangerous for a nation to display weakness because it encourages other rogue nations to attack that nation. Makes me very concerned for our country. Makes me extremely concerned for our country right now. As we struggle from within, as we tear each other apart from inside, other nations may view us as weak. And they might do something. They might try to take advantage of the situation. We see that happening here. They're very, very weak. He's paying tribute. And all these men come in to attack. So the first invasion of Judah happens about 605 B.C. This was all prophesied by Isaiah to King Hezekiah. We studied it. And even King Manasseh was told that this was happened by Jeremiah, the prophet. Everyone told this. So Judah has lost ownership of their land. They don't own the land anymore. They've lost some of their people who were carried away into captivity. Many in the days of Jehoiakim believe that it was God's will to deliver them from their enemies and to preserve their independence. They were hoping for deliverance. Many in this day thought the Lord would deliver them. Yet, it was not God's will. His will was to bring Judah into judgment, knowing that they had not genuinely repented and would not. The best thing for Judah was to do would be to submit to the will of God, just as Jeremiah told them to. Despite the great opposition, submit to the will of God. In verse 3 and, 3 and 4, Surely at the commandment of the Lord this came upon Judah, to remove them from his sight. Why? Because of the sins of Manasseh, according to all he had done, and also because of the innocent blood that he shed, for he had filled Jerusalem with innocent blood, which the Lord would not pardon. I love what Guzik says here. He says, quote, We might think that God would honor the Judean independence movement of Jehoiakim, but he did not bless it. God sent against him many adversaries because Jehoiakim was a patriot of the kingdom of Judah, but not a man submitted to God. Remember, we talked about patriotism last week. Many of us are patriots. Many of us love our country, and we should. But remember, we're Christians first. We love the Lord more than we love our country. We are Christians first. Jehoiakim had no relationship with God. What's the lesson? To whom do you give your allegiance? To whom do you give your allegiance? Do you give your allegiance to the country or do you give your allegiance to the Lord? Where do you stand? Everybody has to make that, that decision. Where do you get involved? Hey, for me, Joshua had the answer. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. If you want to go back on the other side of the river and worship those idols, you go ahead. For me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If you want to be a patriot and run around and try to defend your country, well, then you do that. Me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. The Lord leads me to defend my country, then I will. But right now, I'm serving the Lord. I'm praying for my country. I'm praying for its leaders, just like I'm told to in the Bible. I would nothing, want nothing more than this country to succeed. My allegiance is to the Lord Jesus Christ first and foremost. I do love my country, but I love my Savior more. 
And that's not coming against anything except going for Jesus Christ. So we read verses 3 and 4. It says, Innocent blood, surely at the commandment of the Lord, this came upon Judah to remove them from his sight because of the sins of Manasseh, according to all he had done, and also the innocent blood that he had shed, for he had filled Jerusalem with innocent blood, which the Lord would not pardon. The Lord would not pardon the sins of Manasseh because he shed innocent bloods. And that frightens me for our country. How can the Lord forgive us with all the innocent blood that we have shed? All the babies that have been destroyed since 1970 and beyond and before. All the innocent blood that's being shed. How can the Lord relent from taking us down? I don't know. The punishments of the sin of Messiah of Manasseh, God pours out his judgment upon the third and fourth generation. Here we are, long past Manasseh, and now God is pouring out his judgment. He suffered long. God had suffered long with these people. And now he's making them pay. Why? Because they would not repent. They would not repent. They continued to be impotent. They continued to do everything against him. Even all of Josiah's reformation, all of his reforms, and the other kings came in and they destroyed everything. And they're back in the same places. Because of the sins that were put in place by Manasseh, God says, I'm going to remove you out of my sight. Oh, I shudder when I think of those and I hear those words. I shudder, I'm going to remove you out of my sight. All that Manasseh did was call back to mind, especially the innocent blood that was shed, much of which we may suppose was God's witnesses. Maybe there were people wanting to witness God's love in the middle of Manasseh's time and he was killing them. Worshippers. He said, the Lord won't pardon you. I'm not going to pardon. I have a rather long quote that I think is important from Matthew Henry. I'm going to read it. Quote, Is there then any unpardonable sin but the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit? This is meant of a remitting of the temporal punishment. Though Manasseh repented, remember he repented at the end? Have, we have reason to think that even the percussions and the murders he was guilty of were pardoned, so that he was delivered from the wrath yet to come. Yet, as they were national sins, they lay still charged upon the land, crying for national judgments. Perhaps some of them were now living were abiding and abetting, and the present king was guilty of innocent blood, it appears, according to Jeremiah 22. See what a provoking sin murder is? How loud, it, how loud it cries, how long. And see what need nations have to lament of their sins of their fathers, lest they smart for them, unquote. Think about that. Think about that. Are we now paying for things that were set in motion back in another time? So the first invasion is complete. They've come in. They've done some crazy things. And then Jehoiakim dies. Let's read 5 and 6. Now the rest of the acts of Jehoiakim and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings? So Jehoiakim rested with his fathers. Then Jehoiachin, his son, reigned in his place. A lot of chins and kims. So we read in 2 Chronicles 36, 6, that Nebuchadnezzar intended to take Jehoiakim to Babylon. And put him into bronze fetters. Yet the prophet Jeremiah tells us that 
he would be disgraced and buried outside of Jerusalem. And once again, proving that the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. You read through it. You can read about Josiah and all these kings in Isaiah and in the prophets, even Ezekiel. You can read about all of them if you continue, just go through the Bible. This is one of the reasons why we always go through the Bible. So Jehoiakim dies, and Jehoiachin, his son, takes his place. Let's read 7 and 8, or 7 through 9. Things aren't much better under his reign. And king of Egypt did not come out of this land anymore, for the king of Babylon had taken all that belonged to the king of Egypt from the brook of Egypt to the river Euphrates. Jehoiachin was 18 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem three months. His mother's name was Nehushta, the daughter of Elephan of Jerusalem, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father had done. He continues the evil plan and path that his father had laid out for him. And he lasts a whopping three months. Because guess what? The second invasion happens. Nebuchadnezzar comes back in 597 B.C. Now he has his eyes on all the wealth of the kingdom. Remember when we studied the kings, how they would brag about their wealth, how would they bring people in and they would show them all the glorious treasures and all the... Well, that's going to come back to haunt them now because now Nebuchadnezzar is coming back and he has eyes on their wealth and he has eyes on certain people, young people, leaders, people who are, are prominent. Let's read 10 to 12. At the time, the servants of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up against Jerusalem and the city was besieged. And Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came against the city as his, as his servants were besieging it. Then Jehoiakim, king of Judah, his mother, his servants, his princes, and his officers went out to the king of Babylon. And the king of Babylon, in the eighth year of his reign, took him prisoner. Took him prisoner. Let's read further. And he carried out from there all the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house. And he cut in pieces all the articles of gold which Solomon, the king of Israel, had made in the temple of the Lord as the Lord had said. Also he carried into captivity all Jerusalem, all the captains and all the mighty men of valor, 10,000 captives and all the craftsmen and the smiths. None remain except the poorest people of the land. And he carried uh, Jehoiakim Chin, captive to Babylon, the king's mother, the king's wives, his officers, his mighty of the land he carried into captivity from Jerusalem to Babylon. So Nebuchadnezzar comes and Jehoiakim leads his family out and they basically surrender. They surrender just as Jeremiah prophesies in Jeremiah 22. You can read that in Jeremiah 22 verses 24 through 30. Something interesting happened during this raid. As he's taken these valiant men, as he's taken the 7,000, the smith, as he's taken all these people away. In verse 16, it says, all the valiant men, 7,000, and craftsmen and smiths, 1,000, all who were strong and now fit for war. These the king of Babylon brought to Babylon. It was interesting. Something happened. They were gleaning from Judah the cream of the crop. You are sure. You've been listening to a teaching from the book of 2 Kings with Pastor Dave Shank on A Sure Hope. There's a theme that you notice throughout this book. A person's actions have consequences. In the case of the majority of kings in this book, it was evil actions that incurred negative consequences. Do you think God enjoys handing out consequences for sin? On the contrary, just as a parent would prefer willful obedience, 
God desires for people to seek after Him and follow what He says because it's best for them. When that isn't the case, it grieves Him to put forth discipline, but it's always with a heart for people to come back to Him for their good. If you missed any part of today's teaching or you'd like to listen to additional messages from Pastor Dave, visit AssureHopeRadio.com. Perhaps as you were listening, you realized that you have some questions about what you heard. We'd be happy to talk with you and provide some resources to answer your questions. Give us a call at 609-884-5821. That's 609-884-5821. In addition to that, you're welcome to email us at info at capewatchradio.com with any questions, concerns, or prayer requests. Would you rather talk to us in person? Then think about joining us this Sunday for a time in God's Word at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. Everything you need to know is on our website, assurehoperadio.com. Thank you again for taking time to learn from the book of 2 Kings today. We hope you'll join us again on Assure Hope. Oh